And we're joined now by uh, Northfield Area Fire and Rescue uh, Board Chair Paul Liebenstein, along with Tom Nelson, the Interim Fire Chief. Gentlemen, good morning. Morning, Jeff. How are you today? Morning. Good. Thanks so much for coming in. Uh, it is, uh, you know, today's the first day of autumn. Oh, man. It's turning over. We got uh, fire prevention on the schedule, so we'll talk about that in just a moment or so. But I want to talk about, uh, first of all, you had a meeting the other day with uh, the board members and some of the things that are discussed. We have, our, Rich had a report, I believe, uh, on the ambulance service. And uh, Northfield Area Fire and Rescue, NAFERS, is getting out of that business. Is that, uh, do I have my my uh information correct yeah and it's it's probably more by name only and what uh as we were talking off the air i learned more about it when i met uh with jerry anderson for three plus hours for a five minute speech at his uh joseph lee haywood award banquet um about kind of what made that up and i knew some of the context but jerry kind of helped fill me in back probably 40 in 40 years ago or more um early 80s, late 70s even, the rescue squad was really a heavy rescue operation. And it was, you know, get out there and help people get uh, extricated from cars, um, people that are trapped or need to be pulled out of things. Um, And any of us that remember the show Emergency was about the time when pre-hospital care was really coming in. And um, the ambulance service at that point, and I worked for Fred Heil, in the mid eighties was Fred also ran the hearses for the free for the funeral homes. And back then it was basically load people up and get them to the hospital where they get care. And so, um, a lot of the members of the rescue squad at that point wanted to get more training and became, you know, early into the EMT program and doing vitals and blood pressure and, other interventions out in the field before people getting re- getting them ready to be packaged up and transported. So uh, at that point, all that training came in, and there was still an issue with Fred was pretty much the only person, and he had some helpers in town, but there were times when uh, there would have to be kind of, I'll call it tap dancing, where, okay, where's the ambulance? This person's got to go. Um, and so the training was there of the members and so they decided well let's also get our ambulance license because you can't transport patients without a state license to an ambulance license and so at that point they had uh, and then you have to have a rig that's an ambulance so uh, you know early 80s they started buying ambulances and so the rescue squad and Heil Ambulance had the ambulance license in town so they both had an ambulance license and it wasn't very often that the rescue squad transported, but they were always able to transport. And so fast forward then, let's say, 10 years, and then the ambulance in Northfield uh, was bought up by Jeff Ringland and Mike Duor, and they started paramedic service, ALS, Advanced Life Support. That was sold to Northfield Hospital. And then uh, at that point, the level of care exceeded what uh, us as EMTs, because they're paramedics. And so... Again, and they were there quick, they were there full-time, they were there a lot of times earlier than we were. And so what has really changed in the past, like, three years is in order to have, like anything else, if you have some kind of state license, there's all sorts sorts of documentation that has to get done after the call. And it got to the point where the state was saying, okay, you got to do it on a a computer, you got to do it in the rig. Even if we all we did was uh, 
help lift the litter and get it into the ambulance. And so because we had an ambulance license, we'd end up taking more time probably filling out reports than we would going on the call. Again, a reminder, the ambulance or the rescue squad is fully volunteer, so here are people taking time off work. Well, by the way, before you go back to work, take 20 minutes and fill out this form when you get back. So it was becoming really onerous, and we looked back at the number of times that we'd actually transported, let's say, in the past year. And there was maybe one time, and it was more of a convenience because of the way the weather was severe and we have four-wheel drive. So bottom line is, um, it's again, it's duplicative. We're, I think, one of the only licenses in the state uh, areas, because they're divided up kind of like school districts or whatever, you have a response area, where there's an ambulance license as well as a paramedic ambulance license from the hospital. And so we work closely with uh, Brian Edwards at the ambulance and said, you know, there's no real reason we need to do it, need to keep it. It isn't going to change our level of care. We're still going to respond out. Um, we still, but we're going to more focus on core competencies, which is heavy rescue again. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the community, I don't think, is going to notice a thing. What it's going to do is make us more efficient that we're not filling out forms for patients we maybe don't even touch, but mm -hmm. we still have to fill the form out. So it's a good move, and it's going to, again, you know, Paul and I talk regularly about how can we not be piling on to the volunteer members. Um, and this is one thing that's going to allow us, as well as we're continuing, to, to try to work with dispatch to make it that the rescue squad is only called out when the rescue squad's needed, not just to go there and then stand around and then the ambulance said, yeah, we don't need you, you guys can go back. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of part of the process. But, it's again, it's not going to change from front of house, from what uh, people in the community see. When the rescue squad's needed, the rescue squad will come. All right. It sounds like you've kind of come full circle over the course of the last 40, exactly. 50 years. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move things into the uh, meeting um, and uh, talk with Paul a minute about uh, the taxing district. We, we've talked about this, well, pretty much every time we have you guys in, uh, moving towards uh, having a, ta a taxing district. Did you move another step in the direction uh, uh, at your most recent meeting last week, uh, or is that discussed? Well, it was discussed, Jeff. Um, it, we, we have a, a committee that's been working on that, and they're still kind of in the gathering the information phase of that. And I expect that probably, I don't know if it'll be in October, maybe November, that we'll probably make a decision if that's something that we want to go forward with but there are pieces to that puzzle that um you know how do we allocate um where the money comes from what you know how we uh, how we get the funding i mean is it divided up amongst the cities and the rural um and then of course the big one will be the representation and how do we um make sure everybody is represented, whether it'll be uh, appointed by um, the current um, government bodies or whether it would have to actually have an election, you know, like the school board does. So um, still still gathering information on, on that process. Um, so that'll is be that, uh, coming up. Uh, you know, is that the board uh, itself doing that? Do you, do you have to hire attorneys? That sounds like a complicated process that you need to know some some legal issues or some legalese to get through. Well, so far, I believe it's the committee that's been doing it, but they do 
Um, there are attorneys that they can talk to and other um, entities that have already done it. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple uh, key players, I guess, at the state level that have done it are kind of the go-to people. But, yes, we will have to have at some point get some attorneys involved. So Glenn Caster, who's our treasurer and uh, Bridgewater Board Supervisor, has been has more history in this certainly than I do. Um, one thing that's changed in the past few years is some of the districts, fire districts that already are, already are taxing districts had to get special legislation. And so they paved the way then. So now that process has become, I'll say, easier with air quotes because at least there's legislation that says, here's how you become a taxing district. So a lot of that work, it's kind of it's sort of like you don't want to be bleeding edge, but you want to be leading edge. Let those people pay for the attorneys to get the, the legislation changed. So if we want to or other districts want to do that, at least now it should be a little more streamlined. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about um, uh, the fire chief. Uh, we've talked about that for a while. Uh, you, you've seen the area governments pass their preliminary budgets and, and such uh, for 2023. So things seem to be in place for what you talked about before, sometime maybe this fall in October or so of, of naming a uh, fire chief. Where are you at in that uh, now? Well, actually, um, the, the personnel committee, I think, has been working overtime on this, trying to you know, draw up a new uh, job description if we go with the full-time chief. Um, so that's taken quite a bit of time and then come up with a compensation package that they compare kind of with other mm -hmm. areas and whatnot. I believe that we'll probably vote on that in October so we know how to go forward, whether it'll be full-time or part-time. Mm -hmm. And then I believe uh, interviews will probably be sometime in November. Um, the plan is to, um, we're going to stay in-house on this, you know, unless we don't have any candidates and we would open it up. But we have um, several very qualified people that um, in-house. And so um, that's the direction that we're heading right now. But I think uh, the big decision will come um, at the next meeting in October. And that the decision would be uh, whether to have a, a part-time or a full-time fire chief. Yes. Okay, and then yes. move on from there. Okay, yep. I, I was getting the cart before the horse Yeah, a little bit. I apologize for that. All right, uh, let's talk about Fire Prevention Month. Yeah, it's, that's uh, coming up. That's coming up in October. October 9th through the 15th is National Fire Prevention Week. And uh, typically, you know, what we do is we go out to the schools and we have material and they watch a video and explain to them, stop, drop, and roll and change your smoke detector batteries, spring and fall, and coming up with an evac plan. So bring it back to your family. And so one of the concerning things that, that I've read about is and talked to other fire chiefs and fire prevention folks is that we do a really good job in the schools and the job then is for the kids to bring that information home. And it sounds like that's where it gets lost. And so I just want to challenge people in the community, whether it's, you know, whether you have elementary age kids that are coming home, but we all know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make sure that we have two exits. We, you know, in our house, don't have the back door covered with stuff that you can't get out. Um, make sure your egress windows, if you have, you know, rooms in the basement are clear, that people can get out to the windows open. 
um, sleep with your door shut, and nobody likes to do that. But that that not only saves lives, it saves property, and make sure that your smoke detectors are there. And a real good idea, I mean, uh, Paul and I have talked about our respective mom's homes. Um, they're both in their 90s, but, yeah, I go to my mom's house, and I'm guilty that I haven't gone back and made sure that there's more smoke detectors. The code has changed. It used to be one smoke detector per floor, and we all know that, that for any newer houses, there's, there's like a one in every bedroom and CO detectors. Is Make sure you have that stuff. And the beauty of it with the technology now is they make lithium-ion batteries that last 10 years because that's always the nightmare, you know, because they never go off at noon. They go <laughs> off at 2.30 in the morning. And so um, it doesn't cost that much if you've got battery-operated smoke detectors replace them with these 10-year life ones and uh, it'll make a big difference and you'll get that early warning that you need so don't just think oh we'll wait till the kids come home Um, we should all be thinking about that this time of year of hey what should i be doing around the house don't store your propane cylinders in the garage Um, that's another one that you know just things and also think about the responders that if you you know you might be be able to get out but boy that stuff in the garage if we had a fire here and the responders come that could really cause a problem so just for everyone to focus on it and at least reflect and say huh am i what am i doing around here don't throw cigarette butts off the deck we've had house fires in the past year where it gets into the the vegetation crawls up the siding and gets in the roof no one was hurt but the whole house burned down so be thinking about it one of the one of the things I remember from when our kids were little and went had that at school was that, and I think is quite important, is that they have a meeting place yes. outside of the house for the family or the occupants, and so you know if everybody is out or yes, not, that's and key. Uh, you aren't uh, yeah, sending somebody into harm's way. Yeah. Uh, once again, we're talking with Northfield Area Fire and Rescue Board Chair Paul Liebenstein, along with Interim Fire Chief Tom Nelson. In the past. <clears throat> Pardon me, you've had uh, like an open house associated with this. Uh, you just had one, though, for 150th. I, I come presuming that you're not going to have a second one, or will Correct. you? Correct. No, that's a really good point. Thanks for bringing that up, Jeff. We do it uh, biannually every two years, right? Every not other sem- year, that means. Yeah, Tom. that's what that means. Semi annually <laughs> yeah. would be twice a year. Uh, so we do it every other year, and it worked out that this is the off year. So, no, we're not going to be having the open house at the fire station. The kids, like I said, will still get the trinkets and the hats when uh, the crews go out to the schools. But, nope, not till next year. All right. Anything else you'd like to pass along? Oh, you know, we don't want to tip our cards. We want to make sure we have enough to talk about when we meet in October here. So I think that's filled the time. All right. I'll I'll talk about for just a a minute. I met with uh, the mayor of Norfield here not too long ago. But, you know, if anybody out there is interested in serving on the NAFERS board, they should probably get a hold of um, the city and uh, and, – you know, as as people rotate on and off, we can always use um, people who are interested and care about the fire department. Um, it's really nice when they bring some a skill set with them, whether it's uh, financial or they know a lot about um, handling personnel or equipment or some of those things. But we're you know, always looking for people on there who who are willing to put the time in, not just come to the meetings, but to actually come and make sure you get to meet and get to know the fire department and the the men and women who uh, 
spend so much time for volunteer their time for mm-hmm. the city and keep us safe. So, anyways, just a plug out there if anybody is yep. interested. Talk to so. Sarah Hoffman, who's Ben Martig's administra- administrative assistant at City Hall. Uh, she'd love to hear from you. All right. And I've noticed your website. I've got it pulled up here. You have uh, a lot of uh, links to information on the website as well, so you can check that out too. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks, Jeff. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having us. And we'll see you next month. That's uh, Northfield Area Fire and Rescue uh, Interim Fire Chief Tom Nelson, along with uh, Board Chair Paul Liebenstein. You're listening to 95.1 FM and AM 1080. KYMN. Rich is up next.